P-O-W-E-R-N-E-T. I got ahead of myself. Sometimes my mouth goes faster than my mind. Anybody else have that trouble? No. Turn with me in the scripture, if you will, to the book of Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read, I'm going to read several passages. Um, I'm going to read several, uh, just a few verses out of Galatians chapter 5. And then I want to, I want to turn over after that and read um, out of Colossians chapter 1, a couple verses in Colossians chapter 1. If you will stand with me for the reading of the word today just to teach you guys a fitting exercise. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5, we're going we're gonna to read first at verse number 16 and 17. It says this, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Everybody say that, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. We're speaking King James language here. The, the, the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. Another translation says they're enmity against one another. So that ye cannot do the things that you would do. Powerful statement right there. You can't do the things that you want to do, would do, because the flesh is lusting against the spirit. It's fighting against the spirit, and the spirit is fighting against the flesh. You're not able to do what you need to do. Why? Because you're not fully empowered. Amen. Um, verse number 25 says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Amen? Amen. Turn with me over to Colossians really quickly. Verse, uh, chapter number 1, verse number 10. It says that ye might walk, there's that walk word again, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord. How many of y'all want to walk worthy of the Lord? I want to walk worthy of the Lord. I want to walk worthy to bear the name Christian. Not just have something on my t-shirt or have a label that calls me Christian, but walk worthy of the Lord. Amen. Being above reproach. Walk that ye may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse number 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Amen. His glorious power unto all patience and long suffering. And with joyfulness, this same strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, is the same spirit that Galatians chapter five was talking about in walking in the spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And they war against one another. So today I want to talk to you for just the next few moments about being empowered, being empowered by the power of him, by the power of he, by the power of I am, by the power of Jehovah. Amen. I want to talk about being empowered for the next few minutes. Will you bow your heads and pray with me really quickly? Father, we thank you for.
for your word. I thank you for this word that you've put in my spirit. God, I pray that you would charge us with the power of your Holy Ghost. And Lord, that we would leave out of here with the power to accomplish the things that we would do, the things that we want to do. Not being held up by the flesh, God, but being led and walking in the spirit. God, let my mouth say what you would have me say. Let me be your mouthpiece, God. Lord, I pray that you would cause me to be your mouthpiece in this place and that you would cause the ear of the hearer to be opened wide. Open a pathway straight to their heart, God. Let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church on this day. We'll give you honor and glory in the precious and holy and powerful, wonderful, how marvelous name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, first first thing that I want to do this morning is just ask you a, a, a very simple question that but but probably has a more complex answer and the, the question is this is the Holy Spirit on you or is he in you okay now I know I know theologically how we as Pentecostals believe but that doesn't that's not what I'm asking this is a personal question this morning. Okay, so it's not a theological question. I'm not asking us to answer theologically how Pentecostals believe. But I'm asking you to ask yourself, is the Holy Ghost upon you or is he inside of you? You know, we talked a couple weeks ago about the power of Pentecost. We talked about uh, Pentecost Sunday and how the Holy Spirit is the external working that's always externally working. The power of God manifests on this earth. And he's externally the drawer that draws in sinners. He's the convictor that is convicting the heart. He's out, He is working upon people. He is constantly upon them and moving and drawing them in. We know that's an office of the Holy Ghost. And sometimes he even moves more mightily upon certain people. We see that uh, throughout the Old Testament that there was the Holy Spirit that moved upon the prophets. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Now, now just, just for a frame of reference here, we know that the power of Pentecost that came to indwell us, when I ask the question, is the Holy Ghost on you or in you, uh, we need to first establish that the, the first time that the Holy Ghost became available to be in you at all times was at the day of Pentecost. Do we understand that? So we're talking about a New Testament thing. And so we look at the scripture in the Old Testament, we can see the Holy Spirit working upon men throughout all of the Old Testament. Matter of fact, the Old Testament was able to get us through to the New Testament, to Jesus, because of the power of the Holy Spirit working upon men that were, that were, they were called men. They were chosen vessels. They were the elect of God. And they were, they were folks, I'm talking like folks like Elijah and Elisha and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah the prophet and, and even kings like David. Uh, amen. And the Bible even says that the anointing was on Saul. And so there was an anointing. That anointing there is the Holy Ghost working upon the people of God throughout all the Old Testament. And so there, it's a power. What am I saying? It's a powerful thing to have the Holy Ghost working upon you. To have the Holy Ghost working upon your life. It's a powerful thing. I, I would dare say today that here in the Pentecostal church, I'm not going to mess with anybody else. I'm just going to mess with you all today. Is that okay? Are your toes good? I would dare say today that in this Pentecostal church, we need, we need some upkeep in the Holy Ghost working upon us department. I'm not talking about the Holy Ghost working in you. I asked the question in the beginning.
is the Holy Ghost in you or upon you? And everybody with their Holy Ghost haughtiness says, well, he's in me. I got the Holy Ghost in me. I don't have time to talk to you about when the Holy Ghost, when's the last time you let him out of the trap door? When's the last time you let him out of his cage if he's inside of you? But the church lacks. How do I know? Well, because if we're supposed to be this Holy Ghost filled church, then we should be displaying the fruits of the spirit. We should have meekness, gentleness, kindness, self-control. We should, you know, we should be exuding the things that are the fruits of the spirit. And thereby they would know that we are filled with the spirit because we act as though we are filled with the spirit. Amen. And and so I'm telling you that we could use let me I'm getting back I'm going backward. I'm coming at this thing a little bit from the other direction because we we sometimes we get ourselves in a place where the word is for somebody else. Uh, uh, I, I can't remember who it was. I think Brother Dave told me about it. Sometimes we get the rake mentality where when the word is being shared out, we've got a rake and we're drawing it in. We're saying that word is for me. I'll take that. And even if it starts to miss us, I don't know if that's for me or not, but if I'm going to bring it in and I'm going to apply it to my life anyway. And then other times we get the shovel mentality where we just, oh, that's for them. No, that's for them. For them, that's not for me. You know, you know how we get the shovel mentality? We get it because we get so caught up in how we are Pentecostal. I'm as guilty as anybody. I'm preaching to, to myself this morning, where I think, well, I've got the Holy Ghost inside of me, so you know, so he must be preaching to somebody else. Well, the question is, if the Holy Ghost is in you or on you, how come we don't see very much manifestation of that Holy Ghost on you? If that really is the case, I mean, if you if you're really Pentecostal, really, and, and listen, I'm proud. Let me just say this this morning: I'm proud to be Pentecostal. So I know I'm. I could preach a message about salvation, and I could preach a message about walking with God, and all of those things. But this morning, I just want to talk to you about the power of the Holy Ghost for a minute. Is that okay? Because we are an empowered church. This is about being empowered, empowered to do the things that we were called to do, the things that we want to do. The scripture says that the flesh is warring against the spirit, not allowing us to do the things that we want to do. What are the things that we want to do? If you're a child of God, the things you want to do is see Jesus be made famous. It's to see Jesus live in your world. It's to see Jesus shed abroad in the hearts of men. It's to see Jesus in your workplace. It's to see Jesus at the gym. It's to see Jesus at lunchtime. It's to see Jesus in the in Walmart. It's to see Jesus even in the theater. It's to see Jesus in the White House. It's to see Jesus in politics. It's to see Jesus shed abroad throughout all the earth. That's what we ought to want to do. I'm not hearing you this morning. It makes me question, is the Holy Ghost even upon you? Because the Holy Ghost can do mighty things if he moves upon us. But I've come to tell you this morning, I'm so glad that I'm not, I was not, listen, I would have loved to have been around to just see what Elijah and Elisha was doing. I would have hated to have been one of them kids that were making fun of old bald Elisha when he called out the she-bears. And they, you know, they came and he was, listen, he he did it, he killed some children indirectly. But. Uh, but it would have been awesome to be in the Old Testament and just begin to, just to sit down. I know one day I'm going to get to just sit down with Isaiah 
and just begin to talk to him about all those prophecies, more prophecies about the Son of God, more prophecies about Jesus than any Old Testament book. Man, I'm going to say, how did you get all the revelation that you got? And he's going to say, the Holy Ghost came upon me, and he began to speak to me. And I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Amen. And I saw the angels flying around about his throne, and I saw him saying, holy, holy, holy. And I said, woe is me. And they came and touched the coals of my lips. And then they said, who will go? And I said, here I am, God. Send me. And he's going to tell me the story in great detail, even maybe better detail than we can read about it. And I'm looking forward to talking to him about the Holy Ghost moving upon him. But I'm so thankful today that I did not live in the time of the Old Testament because Jesus came and he gave us something better. He gave us the ability to be a New Testament church to say, I didn't come to abolish what's in the writings of the Old Testament. I came to fulfill it. And you need to live by every letter of it through the blood and righteousness of Jesus because I fulfilled it. And then, and, and I'm so glad today that I'm a New Testament Christian. Why? Because now I don't have to worry about if the Holy Ghost is going to come upon me or not because he's given me a promise. He said, go and tarry in Jerusalem for not many days hence. I'm going to send somebody to you. I'm going to send the comforter to you. He's going to come upon you and after which the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall do great and mighty things. Amen. I, upon my servants and my handmaidens, I pour out of my spirit in those days, says the Lord. I'm telling you, I'm thankful that we are part of a New Testament church. New Testament church. Why? Because of the Pentecostal upper room experience. I'm telling you, and I'm just going to go ahead, and I'm, I'm, I'm being biased today, but it is what it is. I can't help it. And if you came in today and you're part of another religion, I'm, I'm sorry in advance for the way that this comes across. But I, but I can't help but think, if, if we are not Pentecostal in today's society, what good was Pentecost? trying to be hateful to any other denomination. But if you start denying the power that was at Pentecost, what was the purpose of Pentecost? It was the empowering of the saints. It was the, it was the ability to have the power to stand in the face of every enemy when they were going to kill you, when death was the certain penalty, to still have the power to not only say it, but to get away with it. understand I love people of all denominations I love fellowshipping inter interdenominationally fellowshipping with anybody who loves Jesus but I got to thinking about it and how how unfair it is for folks to walk around not being empowered by the power of the Holy Ghost and what they are missing out on I mean this is the truth I say it as a man with a broken heart over the situation not not because I've attained something yes I've got something better but it's not because of my own might or not because of something I've done. I just believe. I just believe. And I'm telling you today that I'm thankful that I'm a part of a church that is empowered, that has the power of the Holy Ghost that's not just upon us. Let me, let me, I, I wrote this down so I get it correctly. The difference between those without the baptism of the Holy Ghost and those with the baptism of the Holy Ghost is this. The unbaptized person can have a situation where the Holy Ghost will come upon them from right out of the atmosphere. 
my, my brothers and sisters that are in different denominations other than Pentecost, that without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm not trying to label things this morning. I just call it Pentecost because it happened on the day of Pentecost. You don't understand. I'm not trying to label a people group or a religious uh, denomination. But the difference is that an unbaptized person can have a situation where the Holy Ghost will come upon them right out of the atmosphere and give them extraordinary abilities, grace, mercy, or peace. It's as though, in a sense, they have their own power and their own might and their own word now they speak. They have their knowledge of the Scripture. They have their spiritual knowing by the power of the Holy Ghost that they are the sons and the daughters of God because they've accepted Christ. And that's all you need. That's all you need to be in relationship with God and to be saved is the relationship with Christ. It's accepting Him, believing upon Him. And so they have that. And they have, at times, the Holy Spirit comes out of the blue. And He is peace when they don't have peace. And He's grace when they don't have grace. And He's mercy when they don't feel mercy. And He's even extraordinary ability sometimes to allow them to be able to sing greater than they've ever sung, to allow them to be able to play or an instrument better than they've ever played, to allow them to be able to talk when they when they weren't able to talk before, when they were timid and shy. He gave them, he acted upon them. I've come to submit to you today that the Holy Spirit is still acting upon men and women today. Why, why is this so important? Because there, even today, the power of the Holy Ghost is acting upon men and women outside of the Pentecostal denomination because he still wants to manifest and propagate make Jesus famous throughout all of the earth and I want to tell you today that the reason that every denomination has grown throughout the centuries and to get us to the place that we are today the reason that the Baptist church is next door is because at times the Holy Ghost will come upon them and give them extraordinary ability amen the baptized believer is in the same situation the baptized believer has the Holy Spirit come upon them. Okay? So we're talking about the same situation and the Holy Spirit is coming upon them to get them through the situation. Here's the difference. I said to you that an unbaptized person, the Holy Spirit comes upon them right out of the atmosphere. The, it's like the anointing hits them from out of the atmosphere. Here's the difference. When you're baptized, it's like the Holy Spirit comes not out of the atmosphere, but right out of your innermost being and begins to permeate through. It's so deep and so rich and so powerful inside of you that the Holy Spirit begins to well up like a wellspring of living water. And he begins to pour out of you and, 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 and ooze and exude out of you and permeate out of your being. And so now you have the power of the Holy Ghost upon you and in you, permeating through you to be able to have the power to do the mighty things that God has called you.
you to. Listen, it's not a force helping them externally. It's the power of God permeating through them internally and working its way externally. Do you understand the difference? And here's the reason. Here's the main difference. And here's the reason that it's important, and you got to see this today. It's because when I add a little bit of Holy Ghost to my flesh, then both me and God can take a little bit of credit for what went on. When I've got the Holy Ghost externally working upon me, and I'm not baptized in the Holy Ghost, then all of a sudden, I can take some credit because I went as far as I could and then the Holy Ghost came upon me and I was able to go a little bit farther. But when the Holy Ghost is in you and when the Holy Ghost begins to permeate through you, then all of a sudden you recognize from the start to the finish, this thing had nothing to do with you. You can't take credit for it. It was God in you and God alone. The situation never had your fingerprints on it. The situation never had your blood on it. It always had the blood of the Lamb because inside of you was the Holy goes from the start of the thing to the finish of the thing. You didn't have to work it out in your flesh until you went in as far as you could go. You didn't even start on your own. You said, God, it's yours. It's not mine. Do you all understand it? Do you see it today? You didn't have to say, oh, God, I'm going to go as far as I can go, and then you can come up and make me go a little bit farther. No, you said, God, I'm stopping at the start line. I'm right here at the front of the race, but I'm not taking a step. You're going to have to take the steps, God. I'm not going to do this thing at all on my own because when it's done, it's going to be all God, all glory, all Jesus, all for you, God, not for me, not not of my works, lest any man should boast, but by his power. Hallelujah. That's the difference. That's the, let me put it. Let me put it to you and take a little step farther today. Are you the battery or are you the charger? Where's the charger? So here's here's the second comparison I want to make today. Are you this or are you this? Now we established, I think I preached several months ago about an empowerment series. But we know this, that God is the source. So so the Holy Ghost is, is this electricity right here. Okay, you guys can see that, but it's lit up. Trust me, there's electricity right there. The electricity is God. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost, okay? The Holy Ghost is the power of God manifest on this earth. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Now, here's the thing. We as Christians, we as Pentecostals even, we find ourselves, we all want to be the battery. Because the battery gets to go do the cool stuff. Gets put in the thing to make it work. The battery gets put in this microphone, and then the microphone works. And the mic couldn't work without the battery, right? But the battery has no power of its own. The battery has to have the electricity to come into it to charge it, to do the will of the Father, to do the work that you're called to do. And so often we want to be the battery. We don't think about it. We want to be the battery. Because this is the thing that when the Holy Ghost has come upon it, 
when it's got an outside force helping this battery, then it can make the microphone become amplified. It can be put into the drill. The battery can be put into the drill, and the drill can do the work of the kingdom. And so often it's in our zeal and in our desire to do the things of the kingdom that we want to become the battery. Because the truth is we want to take a little bit of credit for being used to get something done. But, Brother Dave, I've worked a lot of construction jobs. I've worked in construction for 15 years. And the one thing that I can tell you is over 15 years of construction, I never once said, man, that charger can be used. I mean, I don't know what I would have done on that job if it hadn't been for that charger. Now, I've gotten, I've gotten happy and mad about batteries in my drill. But the battery has no ability on its own to get anything done. But yet it can take some of the glory for getting things done because that drill can't work without this battery. But I've got news for you today. This battery can't work without this charger. And this charger, i got to get to my notes while I'm here so that I don't forget. a few things that you need to know. God wants to make you the charger. God wants to make you the charger, not the battery. He wants to make you the one that's plugged in. I See, the, this battery, it can do things for a while, but eventually the juices wear out. Every week we sing through these microphones and talk through these microphones but in a couple weeks, if we didn't put this battery back on the charger, it's useless. And how how much does that sound like the, your, your regular, the status quo of the Pentecostal Christian world? Because we come in and we get charged up for God, and then we go out and we try to, you know, become a battery and we're powering things and we're empowered. And we go out and we do what God's called us to do and we're, man, we're pushing along, but we forget to get ourselves back on the charger. And then the next thing you know, we're dead. We're dead. A few things that you need to know about the charger is that chargers only serve one purpose. You know, a charger can do anything except for Doesn't, it doesn't get to, it, you know, these batteries, they can be put in this, this uh, microphone. They can be put in a remote control. They can do this. There's diversity in what the batteries get to do. They get to fun life. The batteries get to go out and do the fun things. The charger, well, he doesn't have a fun charger. He's got one purpose. And the thing is, God wants to make you a charger. God wants to make you to be the thing that only serves one purpose, and that's his purpose. He wants to make you, uh, listen, when you're a charger, you're useless anywhere else. I can try, let me see something. Need my illustrations, please, Dave. Start getting nervous back here. Bear with me. 
wasn't very good at this ministry. Fifteen-year apprentice. So here's the thing. This is the charger. And I took the batteries out of the microphone a while ago. Do you still know the charger trick? You're not going to say, boy, I'm thankful for that battery. When you, go, when you go home and you talk about how beautiful the worship team sung, you're not going to say, man, but they couldn't have done anything without that charger. Had it not been for the charger. Who's, I mean, really, anybody ever done that? I can't, I've done a, I've done a bunch of metal roofing jobs. All you do is just cordless drills all day long. Just cordless drills, batteries, 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 right? Never once did I go home and say, I was so thankful for that charger that they had. No glory goes to this thing. I can't take this thing close enough to to the microphone to make it work. I I can't attach it to anything. The charger serves one purpose and one purpose alone. It's to charge the batteries. It's to charge the ones who go out and get things done. There's no credit that gets to be taken. And listen, here's here's the one awesome thing that you need to know too. It's that this charger, if you want to be a charger, you got to know this. In order to be effective, this is the place that you have to be. You've got to stay plugged in. God wants you to be a charger, but you can't be a charger if you're not plugged in. You've got to always stay plugged in. If you're not staying plugged in, then you're un, you're ineffective as a charger. You can't even do the thing that you're called to do. Listen, what's that mean? It means there's no vacation for chargers. It means that there's no sunny weekends for chargers to take off and take personal days. It means that there's no sick leave for the charger. The charger doesn't get to be sick. He doesn't get to have downtime. He doesn't get personal days. There's no glory or recognition for a job well done. All the jo- all the glory goes in to the electricity. All the glory. When I've been on a job site and I, I had chargers all getting ready to be plugged in, but I had no electricity, I had a problem. There have been job sites that I've left and I've said, I'm so glad that they had the electric hooked in. I'm so glad that I had that generator there generating some electricity. But I never thought once about the charger. Even, listen, chargers can sometimes be blamed for the job not getting done. But never praised when the job does get done. 
here's the thing. I said this a while ago. In order to be effective as a charger, you have to stay plugged in. And I put this in my notes. I want you, if you're writing this down, or writing notes down, I want you to have this down. Your level of anointing, your level of power is directly related to your point of contact with the source. Okay? Your, your, your level of power is directly related to your level of, or your point of contact with the source. I'm going to ask it just a quick, uh, and I'm getting ready to close, I'm going to ask it just another quick way, another quick illustration, um, because this is the place where this picks up for you. Do you soak or do you shower in the presence of God? We're talking about being connected to the source. Your connection, your point of contact being the level of power that you have, the level of ability you have to charge others. Let me just back up real quick. You know, it's okay to be a battery, but the charger is the one who is really moving the gospel. This, this battery will, will work and wear itself out, and it'll have to come back to the charger. And week after week, we as Christians come in as the battery, needing recharged, when God's saying, I don't want you to be a battery. I want you to be the charger. I want you to be plugged in. Now I'm moving on. Do you soak or do you shower in his presence? And I got this question. I thought some of you would like it. Um, some of us need to check our Holy Ghost hygiene. And so I want you to look at your neighbor today, and I want you to say, have you showered lately? Some of you all are, are sniffing and everything else. Look the other way and say, have you showered lately? Now I want everybody to do this. Christians, our contact, I'm, I'm, I know I made an illustration of being plugged in as the charger, plugged in with electricity, but really, more appropriately, our contact with God and the Holy Ghost being empowered by God is through a process labeled throughout the scripture several times as the soaking or showering of the presence of God upon our lives, the Holy Ghost coming down and, and, and allowing us to be in waters to swim in, Ezekiel called it, waters to be able to swim in. And I'm telling you uh, that today the, the truth is that the church is neither soaking nor showering. We kind of smell bad. Why don't I have the power to overcome? Uh, be, when's the last time you showered? Why, why don't I have the power to break this bad habit in my life? When was the last time you soaked in his presence? You see, many of us want to uh, come into church and feel the Holy Ghost. We want to be in a place where the Spirit's moving. You know, it's, it's funny to me, Brother Larry, that most people are looking for a church that has the Spirit of God in it. But very few people are looking for a church that has the Spirit of God that will get them strong enough that it will actually affect them. You, you ever been at a, a theme park or at a zoo or anything, and they've got that, if it's a real hot day, they've got that misty water that's going out, and, you know, you, you want to walk through it? That's how folks come to church. 
they, they come and they're like, I hope that misty water's there. I hope the Holy Ghost is there because I want to walk through and get some mist of the Holy Ghost upon me. I, I, I want to, you know, I, I want to get enough that I feel a refreshing, but there's not enough that will wash some junk off of me. I was watering my garden just the other day, Eli's garden, and I, I started out, I was just soaking the ground and I, I wound up putting on a pretty high speed jet, you know, and it threw up, I didn't, I didn't hit the, the plant because that would be bad, um, but I hit the ground near the, and it threw a bunch of dirt up all over the plant. Has anybody ever done that? Any gardeners in the house? And so you got dirt all over the plant, and so I started, so I started messing with the nozzles on my, on my hose, and I was like, I want to get this dirt cleaned off of there, so I wound up going to the one that was called mist and spraying it on there, and guess what? No dirt was they were getting wet. They were they were getting you know showered, but they, there was no cleansing happening. And so then I moved to this other one that was called uh, shower, and it was a little bit harder. And it knocked off maybe some big chunks of dirt, but the little dirt was just sticking on there. Anybody ever run your car through the car wash and it's a touchless car wash and then you get on the other side and it looks like it never was touched? You know what I'm talking about? The touchless car, the washless car wash, that's what they need to call it, washless car wash. At the end of your $10, you're still not washed. Why? Because it's water that's not effectively taking off the dirt. And what happens is, we come in week after week, and we want to shower in the misty water of the Holy Ghost. We want the Holy Ghost to be in the house. We just don't want the Holy Ghost to get too much on us. We don't want the showers of the Holy Ghost to be a, a force to be reckoned with. And so I had to go to the next nozzle. I went to this one called Splat. And, I mean, it, it wasn't enough that it was beating the plant to death and beating it over. But all of a sudden, I started spraying it down, and the, the dirt began to come off of the leaves on the on the plants and everything. And I got to thinking about if we would just let the Holy Ghost come upon us in a way that, yeah, maybe it was even uncomfortable. Maybe we didn't like the way that it felt because there was some sin that we needed to work out. There was some dirt that we needed to get out of our heart, and we needed to get ourselves straight before God. But we come in week after week after week after week, and we want the presence of God there. We want there to be that cool, misty shower there because it feels nice on a hot day. It feels good to come into a place that is vibrant with the power of the Holy Ghost, but we don't want it to come with a force that is uh, that starts cleaning us out because then we've got some changes to be made. And then our, our feathers get ruffled. Our leaves get bent. Sometimes the water gets strong enough that it bring, burns, uh, bends us over, but there's some cleaning that has to be done. And I'm telling you today that many of us are afraid to let the showers of the Holy Ghost get to the place where they're soaking us, get to the place where they're changing us, get to the place where we are connected to the source. Not only are you clean when you have effectively soaked. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Not only are you clean, but everybody else knows that you've been soaking. Who, who's taking a bath? Anybody ever taken a bath? I'm scared. Very few hands. talk about this 
iPad because you know you're using a lot of apps. But but nothing's more relaxing to me than an iPad. So uh, so I'm you know I'm but you know you, like as a kid you got mom tell you know when when is it time to get out of the bath when you're a kid? Yeah, you're pruned, you're wrinkled up, right? You know what that you know what that is? That is your body's response to saturating the water that's in the tub that you're bathing in or the shower that you're in or the swimming pool that you're in. It's time to get out when you have fully saturated your skin as much as you can. What was I, how do I bring that back around? Because when you've been in the presence of God and really soaked and really allowed that water of the Holy Ghost to get upon you and empower you, then all of a sudden you, you, you not only are you clean, but everybody else can see where you've been. And see, the trouble is we don't want people to know where we've been. We want to be able to go to church on Sunday and then go to work on Monday and they don't know who we are or what we're about. We want to still be able to fade into the crowd. We want to be just another face in the crowd. We don't want to be one that's speaking out the gospel of Jesus. We don't want to be one of those that's the weird one. I don't want to be Brother Dave. I know you don't... I'm not throwing you under the bus here, but you know, you're in a clinical situation, and so you, you know, you don't want to go in and ruffle feathers all day, every day with, you know, with Jesus this, Jesus that. It's a, it can cost you your job, and, but, but I'm telling you, I wish that we would get in a place where we get so soaked by the Holy Ghost that we're not any earthly good. There was a time when preachers would say, oh, he's too heavenly minded to be earthly good. I'm telling you, I wish that we were too heavenly minded to be any worldly good today, because I'm telling you you that God desires a church that is so saturated that not only can they tell they're saturated they've been in the presence of God but everybody else around you knows you've been in the presence of God what happened when Moses came down off the mountain they knew he had been in the presence of God behold his body had taken all it could take when was the last say that you've been in the presence of God until you pruned when was the last time that you've been in the presence of God so long that that someone who was your guidance your mother figure or father figure or elder said I think you need to get out of that place you've got a cunt on you you're soaked you're pruned you you've had all of God you know I, when was the last time someone said that anymore. You know why? We don't stand for God. We don't get saturated to the point where we don't look the same. We don't get saturated to the point where everybody can see us. We just want the fine mist of the Holy Ghost to come upon us and cover us. It's uncomfortable. Being saturated is a challenge. It's not for the faint. If it were easy, easy, everybody could do it. And look around, they're not. But then again, did Christ say that Christianity was going to be easy? I believe in Matthew chapter number 7, he said, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. Look what Paul said. I talked about this last week, and I, I really am coming to a close here. Number two. 
look what Paul said. Uh, look what look what is said of Paul by God in the book of Acts, chapter number nine. He said, "I will show him." We talked about this a little bit last week. I will show him what things he must suffer because the power of God is going to be upon him. Because the word doesn't say anybody can do it. That's what happens. Because it's hard. It's hard to live for the Lord. It's hard to walk and be him powerful. You walk around, you get a you get a labeled like Elijah. He's a troubler of Israel. Everybody's coming around you saying you're nothing but trouble. You better believe I'm nothing but trouble to the to the world, to the enemy. And I'm closing with this today. Two weeks ago, we talked about Charles Finley. And we talked about how the Holy Spirit had been poured out in different times throughout, throughout the world's history. But I wanted to share this. I dug this back out because we talked about it. Now, this was in 1841, long before Ephesians 3, long before, long before uh, the Hades gathered, long before the pure joy and peace that the church of God has now. Probably eight years prior, seven, five years prior, a man named Charles Finney gets saved. I want to read you, and it says something that don't jump out at you. It says the following excerpt is Finney's recount of his empowering by the Holy Spirit while alone in his law office after his conversion in the autumn of 1821. This is Finney. But as I turned and was about to take my seat by the fireplace, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. Without any expectation of it, without ever having the thought in my mind that there was any such thing for me. Without my recollection that I had ever heard the thing mentioned by any person in the world. The Holy Ghost descended on me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love, and I do not know, but I should say, I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushes of my heart. The waves came over me and over me, one after another, until I recollect I cried out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me. I said, Lord, I cannot bear any more, yet I had no fear of death. How long I continued in this state with this baptism continuing to roll over me and go through me, I do not know. But I know it was late in the evening when a member of my choir, for I was the leader of the choir, came into my office to see me in this state of loud weeping and said to me, Finney, what, is, what ails you? I could make him no answer for some time. Then he said, are you in pain? I gathered myself up as best I could and I replied, no, but I'm so happy that I cannot live anymore. He turned and left the office and in a few moments returned with one of the elders of the church whose shop was nearby across the way from our office. 
this elder was a very, very sensitive, a serious man, and in my presence had been very watchful, and I had scarcely ever seen him laugh. And when he came in, I was very much in the same state that I was in when the young man left. He asked me how I felt, and I began to tell him. Instead of saying anything, he fell into the most spasmatic laughter. It seemed as if it was impossible for him to keep from laughing from the very bottom of his heart. Charles Finney. 1821. One man. Unknowing that there was any such thing as the Holy Ghost. It wasn't taught. It wasn't preached. He desired God. He didn't want to be a pastor. He didn't want to, he didn't want to be powerless. But he didn't just want to be a battery that would have to get charged and recharged and recharged and use it up and get recharged and use it up and get recharged. And that, my friends, is how most of us face our Christian life. Recharge this. Recharge this. You know, we call it, we call the term revival because it's a revival of something that was dead. And I want to submit to you today that God does not desire revival. He desires his people to be chargers, plugged in all the time to his power. He doesn't desire us to have to go through states of being charged just to fall into a dead state again, to use up what we have. Charles Finney didn't want to be a battery. He wanted to be plugged into God. And out of nowhere, without his ever knowing that there was any such thing, the Holy Ghost came upon him. I love the part where he said he didn't even know how to put it into to the terms we know about now. But he said, I, I literally, he said, I don't know that I should say. He was saying, I don't even know if this is good for me to testify of because it's so bizarre. I don't know, but I should say I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushings of my heart. The Holy Ghost came upon him, and he spoke in tongues and didn't even know what to call it. But the power, the waves of God flowed over him and over him and over him until he said, God, I can't take any more. I can't hide, but I'm going to share the gospel because I have your power inside of me. So the question today is, are you empowered? Are you empowered by God? Are you empowered by him? Or is he at times on you? Is he at times on you or is he at times, is he at all times in you just awaiting the opportunity to come out and be upon you and in you at the same time? Are you the battery or are you the charger? Have you showered lately in the presence of are funny questions, funny questions to be asking in the middle of summer. Look at the look around the room. There's not as many folks here. I know it's a funny question to ask in the middle of summer. I wonder what the priority of being empowered by God is in your life. Is it enough to stay in when the sun's shining? Is it enough to is it enough to still come to church even when you've got other fun arrangements? You know. Leonard Ravenhill said this, I've quoted it so many times, 
that entertainment is the devil's substitute for God's joy and God's power. The devil wants to entertain us to death. Is it enough that you'll put down the fork and just talk? Is it enough that you will close the door and pray? Is it enough that you'll cancel your plans for the weekend? Is it enough that you'll put down the remote or turn the game off? Is it enough that his presence is more important than the people around you? Is it enough that his presence is more important than you? Something very different I'm going to do today, and it's in a song that the Holy Spirit's going to help me. As I talk about commitment, and I talk about your desire to be empowered by God, it's my desire as an evangelist to have an altar call and have you come up. And I purposely tried to get them get to the sermon and preach like this for this purpose. And I just had the Holy Spirit tell me that tonight we're going to have Brother John Davis with us. And his whole ministry is about soaking in the presence of God. That's his niche. That's his thing. And I just felt the Holy Ghost say, if they want you, tell them to come back tonight. I was I was looking forward to praying for you. But I heard him say, if they want me, if, they, if I'm priority, tell them to come back. Tell them to come and, and don't just shower in the midst of me. But tell them to come ready to soak. Tell them to come with their swimming clothes on. Too long we walked around like the battery. I'm as guilty as anybody. I go through seasons where I'm charged and seasons where I'm not charged. And I get back on the charger. And God is saying to each and every one of us, plug into the wall. Plug into the source. Soak in my presence. Leonard Ravenhill said it like this too. He said, sinning men don't pray. And praying men don't trouble because we don't get in his presence and we wouldn't have trouble if we'd stay in his presence amen I want to pray for you so bad Holy Ghost does some great things and I'm going to trust him I want to invite you back tonight tonight all the service is going to be about is the presence of God Soaking in the presence of God. Many of you haven't experienced that. You you know what I'm talking about. I don't need to lay it out for you. For a long time, where you just came to the altar and felt the presence of God permeate you, soak you, wash you, cleanse you, empower you, plug you in. Tonight's that night. So I want you to come back with priority tonight, seeking the face of God, soaking in His presence. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that it's never void. It never returns to us void, but it always accomplishes the thing that it set out to do. God, I thank you that when you put a hunger in people, no few hours can quench that hunger, God. 
But if they really desire to be in your presence, if they really desire who you are, they'll show up, God, and they'll get in your presence tonight. They'll say, you're worth, worry, you're worth waiting for. You're worth coming for. And so, God, I pray over them today as they leave this place that you would keep your hand upon them. Keep your protection upon them. Let your glory go with them. Let your hand go before them. Give angels charge over them. Lord, let, let a fire go before them and consume any foe on every side. God, I just pray right now that you would keep them in your will, in your grace, and in your mercy until the appointed time when we meet tonight. And God, as we come into this place tonight, I petition you, I intercede right now on behalf of tonight's service that it would be a Holy Ghost overflowing, anointed place of refuge. God, a place where we can come and bask in your glory tonight. God, I pray right now that every person that's under the sound of my voice will have an unction by the Holy Ghost to have to be in the house tonight, God. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in every life of this church, God. I thank you for everyone who is here. And God, I just pray your miraculous blessing upon them. God, go with us. Give us favor. And God, we trust you in all things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen.